Several years ago, my wife and I decided that we wanted to explore the possibility of being Bible translators in another part of the world. And to do that, there was a one-week intensive course that was run at Wycliffe Bible Translators out in Kangaroo Ground. So we went along to this course. And about in the middle of the course, we had a session where we were learning how to do a guttural stop. Now, I still to this day probably can't tell you what a guttural stop actually is, but what we were doing, we were sitting in a circle and one of the instructors uh, demonstrated a guttural stop to us. And it was kind of, or something like that. And then we went around the circle and the next person did it, no, not right. Next person, no. And it got to Sharon and I, no, that's not right. We ran around the circle two or three times at least. And I think Sharon got it right first and then eventually I kind of got it right. And it was like, ah, yes, that's right. And then we go around the circle again the next time, ah, no, that's not right. Ah, oh, darn it. I thought I got it right. And we went around and we couldn't work out when we got it right and when we got it wrong. And that, if you like, is something of the context for the passage that we're looking at today as we look towards the cross and the resurrection. In this passage from Luke's account of Jesus' life in chapter 9, he says... One day, Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say you are one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Peter replies, you are the Messiah sent from God. Great. It's a guttural stop. He got it right. But he didn't get it right. The problem is that his idea of what this word Messiah meant was not quite right. You see, he and the other disciples and the followers of Jesus at that time were thinking around a Messiah being like a political ruler, if I might dare to go as far as to say someone like Donald Trump, that will come with power, authority, maybe a bit of military backing them up to destroy their enemies, to destroy their oppressors, to overthrow the Roman rule. So when he says, you are the Messiah, that is what he is thinking. And we know from the different accounts of Jesus' life that we have in the Gospels that that wasn't quite right. And so we get the next line. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone. I'm a school teacher and I could understand a lot of what Stu was saying at the start. Unfortunately, my school, we're still teaching for another three days, so I haven't kind of hit the wall just yet, but maybe Wednesday night I will. I'm a school teacher, and I love it when I ask my students a question and they get it right. But many times, I do ask my students a question 
and they get it right and then I say, well done, that's great. But then there's this look of bemusement on their face, of confusion in a way, because they're not really sure how they got it right. And I wonder if we could have filmed Peter and Jesus in this encounter, if Peter would have had exactly that look on his face when Jesus says, don't tell anyone about it. Like, why? Why would he say something like that? Partly because they don't understand fully what that means. And so if I was to ask, if or the instructor in our guttural stop encounter was to ask me to then teach someone else about how to do a guttural stop when I got it right, I may get it kind of right in teaching them, but I don't really know what I was doing. I don't really know the full story And so I couldn't do that particularly well. Because he is the Messiah, but he's not this powerful military leader who's going to come and wipe out his enemies with force. Rather, he is the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He said he will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. We see here three imperatives. He will and he must. And this is Jesus speaking. He has already set his course. He has set his compass in an orienteering race and he is going towards that target and he is not going to waver from that. Or he set his compass out on the ocean and he is going towards that target. And it's not a great military, powerful, destructive leader but a suffering servant. When I was in year 11... I had the uh, privilege of doing some work experience because I was over in America during year 10, so I didn't get to do my work experience in my usual work experience year at year 10 at high school. So I did it in year 11, and I got to work with a homeless, homeless agency in town. One day in the week, I came into the homeless agency in the city, and they said, okay, well, a person that we've had a lot to do with, a homeless man that we've had a lot to do with, had just died in hospital. And so today, uh, I want you to go out to uh, his housing commission flat and help clean up all of his possessions. And there's two of these guys here who come to the homeless shelter to get a meal that are living rough, and they're going to come and help you do that. And they're going to get paid $2 to come and do that for you, with you for the day. Now, $2 at that time would have got them a meal for the day. So at this homeless shelter, they serve a a nice, decent lunch, a wholesome meal, and it costs the homeless people $2. So that's kind of what we're talking about in terms of $2. So we went to Carlton, and we went up to this man's flat. Put the key in, turned the key, and tried to push the door open. Now, 
I was only a year 11 student, so I wasn't particularly strong, not bulked up like I am now. Uh, (coughs) (coughs) But I kind of leaned into this door and I couldn't budge it. And then the two guys beside me, they said, you know, let's all lean in together and we couldn't do it. So we had to take, you know, the two and a half steps backwards that is kind of the balcony on these housing commission flats. And the three of us together, kind of like the the movies in a way, we charged at the door with our shoulders down and we budged it just enough for us to kind of get our legs around the door and squeeze into the flat. When I did that, I was confronted by something that I had never seen before in my life. Something as dirty, disgusting and miserable as I'd ever seen in my life. It was awful. I felt the gag reflux reflex coming straight away. It absolutely stank in there. And there was weeds and everything growing and the toilet had been overused and the toilet was now most of the living space. There was a one saucepan on the stove and it had weeds growing out of it, noxious weeds, not smoking weeds. Um, and it had, and it just was awful, absolutely disgusting. I had to keep going out onto the balcony to get fresh air. A couple of times I went downstairs to the ground floor because the smell, even out on the balcony, was so awful. These two men worked tirelessly all day. We got over 20 garbage bags full of rubbish out of there. And that was just the things that we could put in garbage bags. There was a couple of mattresses and things that we couldn't move. And they worked tirelessly for the day. I couldn't hack it. I felt sick all day. But they stuck the course through muck, ugliness, awfulness, pain. And I wonder if that's a little bit of a glimpse of what Jesus does for us. He looks ahead to one of the most awful deaths that you can suffer. And he sticks to that course, unwavering, as we are saying. And somewhere else in the New Testament, it says... For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. What's that joy? That joy is that you and I would choose to follow him. That joy is that you and I would choose to follow him. And what does that look like? Well, he invites us into that joy. When he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. 
We don't necessarily like that picture, do we? The invitation comes with a difficult challenge for us. That if we are to follow him to that place where he went on the cross, we must suffer. That's a hard thing for us. But that's what it means to be a follower. And then we can enter into that joy that Jesus speaks about. That, if we can go back one, that's, that we can look to this incredible truth that we will celebrate very soon. On the third day, he will, another imperative, he will be raised to life. It will happen. And that power that Lindy talked about is available to us because Jesus was unwavering. I wonder if you will entertain for me for just a moment the video clip that we watched, I wonder if we are a little bit like the blind man. And I wonder if Peter is a little bit like the blind man in our passage today. We aren't necessarily seeing the picture completely for what it is. And I wonder how many of you, when you're watching that video, wondered and question, what is the woman doing? Is she going to be helpful or harmful to the blind man? And what we see is that her words, when she changes the sign, her words bring life to the blind man. And I wonder if Jesus' invitation to us today to take up our cross and follow him is not a similar invitation. It's an invitation to full life. It's an invitation to enrich our lives, to draw upon some of that power that Lindy talked about, to invite our suffering God who suffered for us into our lives. And I wonder what that means for us as we look at Easter. What are you thinking about as Easter comes roaring towards us? Are you thinking about a great opportunity for family, like the Vox Pop did? Are you thinking about how many Easter eggs you might get and be able to eat? Are you thinking about how many hot cross buns you can eat? Are you thinking about your holidays and where you're going to go away and how you're going to get that all organised? And I wonder if I can just invite you to sit with Jesus' invitation to you this Easter. And I wonder if you can ponder the question that Jesus asked at the start of our passage today. Who do you say I am? This Easter, as we come to celebrate the amazing gift 
of Jesus' life and death for us and his resurrection, his miraculous resurrection. Take a moment between the hot cross buns, the Easter eggs and the holidays to ponder that question and answer Jesus, who do you say I am?